You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. everybody welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i hope you guys are having a wonderful night and thank you so much for tuning in and supporting all that we're doing here on the podcast it's uh been amazing you guys have been amazing out there uh checking us out and subscribing and downloading and um it's just a real real pleasure uh of course i'm your host brent thomas this is the paranormal portal podcast and uh once again special thanks to revolver podcast for making all this possible everybody and welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i'm your host brent thomas and i'm absolutely thrilled you're here with me today to go through this incredible journey every show is a journey and uh it's always an exciting one for me and i'm thrilled you're here to join me uh we've got a great show lined up for you guys today but first of all let me just say if if you've got any experiences of your own and love to share them i'd love to hear from you Lots of love going on here, so you can just email some of that love to paranormalportalradio at gmail.com, and we'll get in touch with you, and we'll figure it out, and uh, you too could be a guest on the show. But we got Lynn joining us today from Massachusetts, and she's got a whole bucket full of fun to share with us here on the show, so we're going to get into that right now. I hope you guys are ready. Hey, Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. That's my pleasure, Brent. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. And, and uh, I, I know we've we've uh, dialed this all in and we got it all lined up. And, and I appreciate you doing this uh, on what is probably a little shorter notice. But uh, um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> as as with all of uh, the experiencers that we have on the show, I, I you know I don't know if it's good, bad, or otherwise. But I always kind of wonder where does it all start for everybody. So you know, and everybody has it seems like a different point where this stuff became real or, or whatever. So what was your, what was your point or was there a point or how did this all begin? 
Um, you know, it's interesting that the first childhood memory I have is sort of where it begins. And I used to share this story with my sisters. Uh, and I'll describe it to you the way I would describe it to them. Mm-hmm. But they would always say, you're thinking of a photo. You know, nobody can remember this far back. Um, <laughs> so what I recall was watching myself climbing out of my crib um, in the nighttime. And there was a light on me, which I assumed was coming from a hallway. But the interesting thing is I was looking at myself from a bird's eye view, sort of from the ceiling, for lack of a better word, um, kind of the corner of the room. Okay. And I remember thinking to myself, this is, what? Like, what am I doing there when I'm here? Yeah. And the second thought was, you know, get out, get out, get out. This is what's rolling through my head. Got to get out, got to get out. Uh. And, And what's really wild about it was sort of the third thought, mm-hmm. which was, you know, I have this high intellect, if that makes sense. You know, I, you think of an infant or, a, you know, a toddler sure. um, that's nonverbal, not really having this internal conversation, but I was definitely having it. I wasn't speaking out loud, but internally I could hear my voice saying, get out, get out, get out. Right. Uh, it, I didn't know what it meant. All I knew is I watched it happen. It didn't make sense. Um, I saw myself climb out, slip into the darkness, and I didn't have any other memory. And I always went back to thinking how odd it was that I that I was verbal, that I was, yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's just, it, it's so hard to put into words. And yeah. like I said, my sisters would always say, no, 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 it's a photo. And I said, no, no, I saw it like a video, like I'm watching myself in motion, you know, mm-hmm. And this went on for years. I would tell the story and nobody could make sense of it. And then when I was 14, my older sister told me that my mom had confessed to her uh, that I had had basically nearly died as an infant of an asthma attack. Oh. And immediately when she told me that, I just, my brain went directly to that memory. I was like, that was it. I, I got out of my body. I had to get out. And, um... Yeah, I mean, when I think about that to this day, it's... That is really profound, though, when you think about it, because oftentimes we we equate language with our intelligence, but, you know, even as infants, we still have the same brains, you know? I mean, they're, they're still working, they're still, you know, examining and, and, you know, doing what brains do, but, we, you know, oftentimes we think that we're, we're just these stupid lumps of, of meat until, until we get to this certain point in our lives. But, you know, we're, we're always have that intelligence. So, uh, it, it, you know, the words may have come later, but I'm sure the, you know, the thoughts are the same, right? Right. And I feel like, you know, I remember just being stumped at that, which also makes me think, well, I could go on a tangent on the possibility of past lives because oh, sure. I'm looking at myself saying, I'm right there, but I know I'm here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, you know, and just all my, all the thoughts going through my head just seemed too wise for right. the year that I was on earth. You know, I was probably 15 months old about is what my father told me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, That's it's pretty powerful. amazing. It I is. describe it as an out of body experience as opposed to a near death, because mm-hmm. I don't recall, um, what many people do in a near-death experience, mm-hmm. um, though I've never attempted to do hypnosis to dig deeper into that memory. But um, 
so so what you're saying then is you never actually did get out of the crib, but this is no, I, this is a separation of of your consciousness. No, I, you know, I actually watched myself climb out of it and then, you know, basically hit the floor, you know, get, okay. and then in, I was in the darkness and I watched it from outside of my body. You know, um, I was still moving, which is, it's weird, right? You know, right. you think of like a near death experience, someone's laying on an operating table, right. but here I was watching my physical body moving and thinking, I need to get out. I need to get out. So, but I'm outside of myself already, you know, my consciousness, if right. you will. Right. So do do you think, but it really was a physical event. Like your body really did get out of the crib as far as you could tell. Yes. You were just oh, for it. sure. Okay. In fact, it, I confirmed it. You know, I never asked my mother about this. Um, this confession came in a drunken stupor. Um, mm. She was a lifelong alcoholic. And uh, I I knew when it was shared with me that it was likely child neglect that got me to the point that I was no longer breathing. Sure. Um, and so I remember being on a trip with my dad at 23 and they had divorced when I was very young. Mm. And I finally asked him about it um, because they would have been married still at that point. And as soon as I asked him about, you know, did I ever have an asthma attack? He kind of gasped and he just said, Lynn, yeah, there are two things I could never forgive your mother for. And that was one of them. Wow. And he went into the story of coming home from work at night and finding me outside the crib in like a baby chair. And my eyes were sunken in, my nail beds were blue, my you know lips were purple. Oh. And he just wrapped me up and rushed me to the hospital and wow. asked her why, you know, why didn't you take her? Why didn't you do something? Right. Um, and he went on to say that he got reprimanded at the hospital by doctors. Like, how could you wait so long to get her help? Yeah. And apparently I lived there for a period of time, like a little bubble baby. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, that, that was really confirming for me that he yeah. found me outside my crib at night, you know? Wow. Yeah. And that, that may be the very experience that may be the happen. very time. So that's really, really powerful as a corroborating uh, piece of uh, information for the story. Wow. For sure. For sure. That's yeah. incredible. Okay. That, yeah. That is amazing. Those early memories are are they're tough to corroborate, but I mean, when you've got so many things pointing back at it, and uh, you can substantiate it with actual events, that's really powerful. I I, mm-hmm. I have early memories too. I, I my a lot of people don't believe me, but my first memory is getting my diaper changed. So I mean, I I I, I don't know. If that's I, I to yeah. me, it was never unusual until I st- until people started talking about when they remembered something. It was like you know four or five years old. I'm like. What about before that? And they're like, <laughs> and and so I felt kind of out there uh, in this unusual place. But I did corroborate mine with my mom too. And when I was able to explain to her how my bedroom was laid out, and she said, "Yeah, that's how it was." So, right, uh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's really bizarre, very strange. Yeah. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break. So don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. Hey guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal Podcast. We just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, 
You name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash paranormal dash portal. And you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal podcast. Thank you so much for all that you do. And thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in my son remembers things really well from early early years as well and Mm. i will say i think it's interesting how many of us remember the most abstract and obscure (laughs) you know it's not even like a significant thing but you'll just have a memory it's super early for some reason that you know it's it's funny how we (laughs) pick and choose our brain yeah it is or the things that that they take root diaper change (laughs) exactly so so what happens next then or how does this journey progress for you um so the next experience was not till about that same year i found out about this incident or really put those pieces together. Um, I was babysitting and I had a crazy, crazy thing happen. Um, I, so my parents, we, I lived out of state and I would visit my dad once a year for a month in California. And I had an opportunity to babysit for the next door neighbors. And I was really excited. You know, I'm 14 year old girl. I get the house to myself. I'm going to raid the fridge. (laughs) It was an easy gig. It was a baby sleeping. You know, I didn't even have to put the baby down. Um, The couple was just going out to dinner and I was going to watch movies and eat junk food and it'd be great. (laughs) Um, So I get myself settled in this house and, um, get my snacks and supplies, if you will, ready. And I go to sit on the couch and I had the baby monitor right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I immediately started hearing heavy breathing. I mean, really heavy, deep breathing. And I ran into the baby's room oh. and checked to make sure it wasn't choking or something horrible. And and it was silent. Um, the baby was sleeping on its stomach with its head turned and its back was moving up and down and he was fine. Back then you put babies on their tummies. I don't think they do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And I just was like, well, that's, that's really odd. So Mm -hmm. I left the room. I put myself back on the couch and I'm, I'm not kidding, Brent. I didn't even, my bum didn't even kiss the couch before the (laughs) breathing started again. Oh no. And it was deep, heavy, out of the exorcist breathing. <laughs> That's horrible. So I ran back in. Again, I'm not thinking exorcist, right? I'm not thinking paranormal. <laughs> I'm not thinking scary. I'm just thinking baby. This right. Part. Again, it's silent. I put my hand over the baby's mouth. I felt the breath. Baby's fine. Room's silent. I look in closets. I'm just like, what in the world is going on? Right. So I meander back. Because every time I would get up and go there, that it stopped. <laughs> so I ran back into the living room, shaking my head like, okay, I'm crazy. I go to sit down again. As soon as I sit, it started again. I 
truth be told, I left. I left the house. I left the baby. I left the monitor. I was so freaked out. <laughs> and oh I went, I did. I totally abandoned ship. And I went across the street to a house where they had six kids and they were a religious family. They were Baptists. And I had one of the boys sit with me. He was about 16 outside the house. And I refused to go back in. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, the craziest <laughs> thing about this, I think the most peculiar is that uh, here I am sitting outside and I'm like, God, these people are going to be really pissed. You know, I'd left their baby. In the house. Yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't going back in. And I thought I was just anticipating them being angry with me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm teenage girl, teenage boy sitting outside. Didn't look good, you know. And when they came home, I was straight up and honest with them what I had experienced. And Brent, they were totally deadpan. They just paid me. They had um, they had no reaction to what I had told them. And it was as if this had happened before. Okay. It wasn't disbelief. It wasn't, oh, sure. You know what I mean? It mm. was just, here's your money, kid, you know? <laughs> I mean. So you're busy next Friday? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Never went oh. back. Um, I did tell my father about it. And my dad's very open and he's had his own um, experiences mm-hmm. Um you know, paranormal, spiritual, whatever you'd like to call it. So he's, I knew I could talk with him about it. And I I said, if someone died in that house, what is the story? I mean, this was Cypress, California. This wasn't an old Victorian house in New England, you know, (laughs) the way people think of, you know, hauntings or whatever that was. Um, I can't speak to what it was. I didn't see anything, but I'm, I got this very strong vibe that they were not interested in me being there. Yeah, I, it's, I think I think anybody would hear that and they go, "Nope, I think I'm busy every Friday from now on." Right? <laughs> oh man, you, you, you so you suppose they the family knew very well that their house was active and and had right. things going on. They they must have. I yeah. mean, they should have been angry with me. I would have. You know? Yeah, like, what are you I, doing I, outside my house? And I didn't bring the monitor because I was too scared to bring yeah. it and hear it anymore. Yeah. So I couldn't even hear if the baby needed me. I just figured. My thought process was, you know, they've got this. Whatever this is in there does not want me there. And they've got it covered. You know, this baby's probably. But I did hear that a grandmother had passed away. I don't think it was those owners, but a former owner. But that doesn't that doesn't add up. You know what I mean? Sure. It, it didn't. It was not a friendly. Yeah. I mean, I can't really describe it. I've demonstrated it for a few people. But it is, if you've seen The Exorcist, it was just something like that. It was the worst. Yeah, uh, it sounds like it. And, and quite honestly, there can be any number of reasons a home can have activity. And it, mm-hmm. does, it doesn't always the, the classical, hey, somebody died here, somebody, something tragic happened here. Sometimes it can be just an antique you bring in from somewhere else that has an attachment or something. So there's lots of reasons right. those things can happen. But right. yeah, that's, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. So my first few outside of my out-of-body experience, um, the second, or I should say third experience was um, definitely spooky. It was another one of those you know, kind of solidified everything paranormal was terrifying to me. And I grew up in the era of watching Friday Fright Night <laughs> and a, a latchkey kid in the 70s where, you know, television wasn't monitored. So I definitely had seen things I should never, ever have seen at a certain age. But right. um, and being the youngest of four, you, you always grow up really fast. So everything paranormal frightened me. I was not, you know, I wasn't someone that wanted to go ghost hunting or, you know, seeking anything out. Um, Anyway, so this this 
third story, it's kind of, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, I'll say I was about, let's see, he was 19. I was, yeah, I was 17. Um, I left home at a very young age and uh, I was left home at 16. And by 17, I had moved in with a 19 year old young man I was dating. And he came, he went to a different school. He went to an all Catholic school growing up. Um, he had told me in sixth grade that he had gotten a hold of a satanic Bible, whatever that means, uh, and kind of looked into that way back when. Oh, my God. Um, and he never really elaborated further. And the only reason I share that is it kind of circles into what ultimately happened, <laughs> the demise of our relationship. But um, I will say, you know, it was a time in my life where I was being a little rebellious and dating someone I shouldn't be dating. <laughs> and he had an addiction problem. Um, oh. if, if, if it was addictive, he wanted to use it and try it and use it a lot. And, um, he was not a violent person. He was a life of the party, um, sure. abuser of alcohol and drugs. Okay. Uh, he wasn't um, mean or unkind, but you know, he, the, the guy was hurting and um, he had been adopted into a family. He was Mexican and he was adopted into a white family that already had four children of their own. Mm-hmm. And through the couple of years we were together, he had shared with me that he, they were nice, kind people, but they never said to him, you know, I love you out loud. And that was devastating for him. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of dealing with his own personal torment. Sure. Um, but so I'm just giving you the backstory because I, I wonder if there's a connection, this whole satanic Bible thing. Okay. Um, anyway, he and I and some friends were at an outdoor concert one day and we lost track of him, <laughs> which was not uncommon. He went <laughs> off the rails somewhere. Um, we waited. The concert was over. The cars were gone. We're looking, we're looking. We can't find him anywhere. Mm. So uh, our friends said, Lynn, we've got to give it up. You know, we've got to go home. So I went home to our apartment and I had not been home more than 10 minutes and I hear a noise uh, in the, in the bedroom. (laughs) That's never a good thing. (laughs) But uh, what was happening was this young man was climbing into the window um, with a a girl in tow into our bedroom. (laughs) Yeah. He was bringing a girl home unbeknownst to me. And, um, and as soon as he sees me and as soon as she sees me, she's apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And she's, you know, scoots she leaves right and he and i of course have an argument about this this is obviously a problem yeah (laughs) um so he he, as i have to go back to he was a very um he was a good person with with problems never i mean he's just a he was genuinely a nice person and this was our first probably our first argument Mm -hmm. and he was essentially civil but then he started getting angry and his voice changed and it was not. And when I say his voice changed, it was a completely different octave. It was a different tone. It was different. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I, I started getting frightened. It was, I don't, it's hard to say out loud what I'm going to share because it sounds so crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I started seeing different men's faces on his face. Oh, Okay. Yeah. I saw, I, I can't be sure how many, because it was as if they were all fighting for first place, if that makes sense. Like there sure. were, one stood out the most and he had light skin and a d- dark beard and dark hair. 
and he would be, it's like a projection. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the best way I can describe it because I could vaguely see my boyfriend's face behind these faces that were all fighting to sort of like be visual. If I, when I say fighting, just kind of, it's the only way I can describe, you know, them one face would show up and then a, a second face would show up and a third face, but they're always changing. Right. But this one dominant face kept showing up and my boyfriend had very dark skin and this man had light skin and a beard and my boyfriend didn't have a beard and wow. he didn't sound like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was, I, I was witnessing a possession Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break. So don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. All right, everybody, and we're back, and we're back at it here on the Paranormal Portal podcast. Buckle up. We're going in. I knew that he had made himself vulnerable in that moment being inebriated because he was not himself. And someone, I just, someone, you know, these other individuals, angry, angry people were taking over. And all I could do was pack a bag and leave. And that's what I did. I, I just, I, it wasn't going to be good. Um, Mm -hmm. he never got physical. I just, and the only part of him that I could see these projections was on his face. Uh, it wasn't throughout his body. It was just kind of this really strange, I, I go back to that every time I think of, um, anytime I've ever witnessed anything visually, it looks like a projection. Sure. Yeah. Like pixelated. Today I call it pixelated because I understand what pixels are, but <laughs> it, sure. yeah. No, I understand so, what you mean. Um, now, is this the point where you did walk away from it for good or, or was there? I did. And you know what? I never told him what I saw mm-hmm. because he, he continued to use. And for years, um, a couple, I should say a couple years went by. Um, I will say I'll back up a moment and just say, I packed my bag and I went to my oldest sisters and, um, I'm sure I shared with her the story and she and I were always those two that said, if anything ever happened to us and we died, you know, we have to try to reach each other and let each other know we're okay. You know, she was someone I could talk about anything with. Uh Um, But uh, in any case, he and I did split up and a couple of years later, he looked me up and I lived in a different state and he was going through a 12 (laughs) step program. And he said, Lynn, you're one of my steps, you know, and I want (laughs) to apologize. And, and even then, I didn't tell him. I was, I was almost afraid it would just send him yeah. back into a yeah. dark place. And I wondered whether his experience opening himself up to that in his early years made him more vulnerable, added to, you know, drug use and addiction. Well, you know, I, I, as a, a point of reference, I've always been warned through, from spiritual teachers in my life um, since I was young to stay you know be very careful or stay away as much as you can from hospitals and bars and the reason the reason that was as i understand it was is that people that are you know, i mean in the hospitals and stuff it's pretty self-explanatory there's lots of pain there's lots of suffering there's you know there's apparently these 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 spirits that were possibly once human maybe not but they 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 may try to walk in and in both of those places 
our aura is at the weakest is how it was explained to me. And so that's, you know, they get the, these holes in our aura and uh, that's where these entities have the best chance of taking over. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting that's, that you say that because that definitely corroborates the warnings that I always heard growing up. Huh. That's interesting. I hadn't heard hospitals. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Huh. Wow. That's pretty crazy. So did, did you have any other contact with him following that or was that it? No. And you know, I have nowadays with social media, occasionally I've tried seeking him out because mm-hmm. I, to be honest, just out of concern, right. I, if I were to guess, he probably didn't survive. Right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't alive today. I have not been able to find him on Facebook or social media. Um, and I, I know that he got sober for a period of time, but he was a really tortured soul. And um, I'm not convinced that he made it, to be honest. But if he had, I would love to tell him if he was in a healthy space, you know, and, yeah. and clean. I don't think I'd ever tell someone that wasn't clean <laughs> that something like this yeah. happened. Yeah, that's but, um, that's something that they have to be in sobriety to understand or, yeah, or to deal with. Cause, for sure. geez. Uh, you know, it's it's also interesting because I have a version of, of that guy in my life. Not the changing faces so much, but mm. just the whole you know, uh, the whole addiction and, and drug culture as part of his whole existence. And, and he didn't survive. And it's, you know, it's a, he and I were best and best friends and, uh, he didn't make it. He didn't beat that struggle. And, and it's, you know, always one of those pains we carry, but, you know, at the same time, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a tough it's journey. Tragic. It's self, to me, it's self-loathing and it's, yeah, yeah, it's deep. It's hard. It's hard to help. It's mm-hmm. hard to fix to, for people, but yeah. Yeah, it was a lesson for me in being really <laughs> careful, you know, right. and growing up with a mother that struggled with her alcohol addiction as a result of her own childhood trauma. Um, sure. Well, I've always been pretty cautious in that department yeah. <laughs> because I don't like being out of control and there's something just feels vulnerable about it. Um, right. I don't. Yeah, I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think that's yeah. good. Good, good takeaway from that is uh, yeah. don't do drugs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so um, where are we going so, now? Yeah. So a few years later, another relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was, uh, gosh, at this point, about twenty, twenty-one years old, um, living with someone. We actually lived at his mom's home, and at this point, I'm living in New England, and uh, it was a three family house and he and I were on the third floor mm-hmm. and it was a relatively new, you know, I hadn't lived there very long. Um, my boyfriend at the time worked third shift. And, um, anyway, that's essentially what happened. Went to bed as usual one night. It was a hot summer, incredibly hot on the third floor of a Victorian house with no air conditioning. And, um, as soon as I nodded off, he wasn't home cause he was at work. I heard in my ear, just like that. Wow. And I sat up, it was a man's voice. I sat up and I started cursing because I thought it was my boyfriend coming home. And I yelled at him for startling me. You know, I was like, what in the world? It's like, why would you do that? You scared the bejesus out of me. And no one's in the room. And I can literally still feel the tickle, the breath physically on my ear. I, I can't explain that. So I immediately, I'm looking under the bed, I'm looking through the room, I'm flipping lights on. I mean, this was not a dream. I 
physically felt it. And what made it so vulnerable for me, it's full disclosure, is I was completely naked. (laughs) Because it was summer and it was hot and I felt instantly like someone was in the room and violated. It did not... It did not feel good. Oh, yes. So I call my boyfriend to just make sure I'm not crazy. And he answers at work and I tell him what happened. And then he decides to tell me that they have a, a, a spirit in the house, a male, young male that had died, a young father. Um, I don't know why he didn't tell me sooner. But, <laughs> um, his mother was um, a social worker by trade, but she was a psychic. And um, this was also news to me. And he explained to me that evening, he said, just tell him you're going to sleep. He needs to leave you alone. Um, you know, be firm with him and he'll, he won't bother you. And I hung up and did all of, of just that. And he did not that evening <laughs> bother <laughs> me anymore. So come to learn more um, about his mom this is kind of an interesting story, but the story goes, and I, you know, I can't speak to this. This is secondhand information, but that this gentleman died of a tragic accident. Um, the spirit pursued his mother and said, um, his mother, meaning my boyfriend's mother, for mm-hmm. help because he was concerned about his his wife and two kids left behind. Yeah, and she literally looked up this family, found them, said, "I know this is going to sound crazy, but." Um, you know, your husband has reached out to me and he wants to make sure you have a roof over your head. And she, she ended up, uh, finding them a place to live in her, her own parents' home in New, New Haven, Connecticut. Wow. So this family ended up living, um, in, you know, a part of a multifamily house. Um, I mean, she was, she was that good. She could track someone down, you wow. know, that's really powerful. I know. Um, <laughs> And she was the kind of person she would sleep. She t- she's a very, very quiet por- uh, Portuguese woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, really kept to herself. Um, she slept with her clothes on. <laughs> 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 she told me that and mainly because she would describe astral projection on a regular basis. And that, um, and I'm, I'm going to get back to this man that woke me up because he continues to talk to me later. <laughs> but oh, okay. um, I'm just going to digress for a minute and share that. Um, she had described, you know, um, an astral projection once where she was literally in another place on earth, right? A different country. And she was suddenly in a bank in this other country. And there was a couple in the bank and the woman looked at her and started screaming and no one else could see her, which I found mind boggling. It makes me think, you know, when we see what we perceive as a ghost or a spirit, could it be someone astral projecting from another place? I mean, sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And because she was, you know, in her nightgown, if you will, she said she felt really uncomfortable and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And now she sleeps with clothes on, which is a whole nother conversation because it's not a physical, it's strange to me that you would astral project and you couldn't bring like clothes with you, like right. mentally. Or yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, that was her whole take on it was, you know, she would always wear completely dressed going to bed. Um, (laughs) But it did make me wonder. And uh, I have another story later I'll share where I witnessed a spirit and I don't think he was um, a dead person. Oh, (laughs) okay. Sure. um, But anyway, back to this gentleman um, who had said, hey, in my ear. um, 
I would go up to the third floor. It only happened on the third floor for me. But anytime I'd walk the stairs into the third floor, I would hear like Carida, you know, I would hear someone in Portuguese say sweetheart. And my boyfriend spoke Portuguese, so I would reply, you know, and then there would be no one there. And this gentleman happened to be uh, Brazilian. So um, anyway, (laughs) it sounded just like my boyfriend, but it was never him. So the rest of my, I I ended up staying three more months in this house uh, and nothing scary happened. I do think he was a flirt. (laughs) (laughs) I do think he was... um, you know, it was, that's just strange, isn't it? That in itself, that somebody could be amorous, it, you know, it is. There. you know, we certainly hear about it quite a bit. Uh, not really, really often, but it does come up and, and, uh, there's apparently a still an energy that, uh, persists that, uh, that I don't know what to say about it, but it is, it is bizarre. It, yeah. It was all friendly and it was flirtatious and it was calling me sweet names and things like that. It was never, and there was no one there, no one be home. <laughs> you know, it was just, and when I discovered this, um, my boyfriend also shared with me that they had an alarm system on their house and it would go off from like the inside out, you know, where you have little sections of your house, you can see where it's triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, the television, I will. I witnessed the television changing channels. I wish, witnessed um, music boxes playing and, you know, radio stations changing and static wow. and, you know, weird, bizarre electrical things. Mm-hmm. And I just said that was enough. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was not comfortable anymore. It was just too, I never felt alone. It just constantly felt, felt his presence when I would be, you know, in the third floor of that house, um, which is where we slept, you know, it was kind of our living quarters, if you will. Um, which, which kind of, it brings me to where we moved. (laughs) So I said, I'm moving, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not comfortable. And we ended up renting temporarily a condominium somewhere. And, um, this is kind of a random story. And I think it's interesting. All my experiences are so different and they happen. I don't know, very uniquely. Mm -hmm. Um, in this case, I was sleeping like we often are when things happen, um, which I know for skeptics can be, you know, explained away. Oh, you were sleeping, you were sleeping. But anyone that's experienced something where they're woken, you know, you just know what you know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know? Yep. <laughs> anyway, I'm asleep and um, I was woken to a noise, a loud noise in my bedroom. And it popped me right out of my dream state. And I immediately, the noise was from the closet. And the closet were double doors that were open. Mm-hmm. And before me, I saw a man. Um, honestly, I described him as a warrior. He was in a position of being on guard. He had a shield. He had partial armor. He had a helmet. Um, he had medium brown to light, dark blonde hair. Uh, he had no weapon, which was really strange. I'm literally staring at what I thought was a spirit at the time. And th- there was light in the room. This is, it's, it, I can't explain that. You could be completely in a dark space sleeping, but then see something, you know, I could see him very, very, very clearly. Wow. Again, it was like a projection. Um I'm so busy looking at him. I wasn't paying attention to whether I could look through him per se. Sure. Um, but he's the funny thing is this is the first time you have to understand that I ever visually 
saw anything. Right. And I thought if I ever did, I would have a, a heart attack. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> based on what had happened thus far, I thought I'm never going to survive. I'm just going to drop dead. Right. <laughs> but he was looking at me as if he was more startled to see me than I was of him. Mm. Like a deer in headlights, complete wow. confusion. And we are staring at each other. And I'm not letting go of eye contact because I'm afraid if I do, he's going to be gone. Right. And I'm like smacking my boyfriend sleeping, who's very open to paranormal and spiritual experiences. And I'm hitting him and I'm like, there's a lawyer in the room, you know, with <laughs> there's a lawyer in the room. And by the time he opened his eyes, of course, this is all you know, transpired and it's over. But I will say the position he was in, he has a shield up towards me. He has his forearm has metal on it. Right. And mm-hmm. it looks as though he should have a, a sword in his hand, but he didn't. And he was short, <laughs> which is, struck me like shorter than average um, height. Mm-hmm. Now okay. I would say maybe five, four. Um, okay. Uh, which I don't know. It kind of just struck me that he was tinier. He might have even been five, three, five, two. I don't know. He was smaller mm-hmm. and I watched him disappear. He didn't just poof, be gone. I literally saw him, you know, the only way I can describe it is molecule by molecule, wow. just slowly disappear before my eyes. Mm. And I didn't go back to sleep. I was not sleeping. I got up and I drew a picture of him. I'm a terrible artist, but I just didn't want to forget what I saw over time. Yeah. And um, I don't, I I, I couldn't explain it, but I ended up seeing a shaman. Um, I used to visit visit with a shaman in Connecticut occasionally for spiritual healing. Mm Mm-hmm. And I asked her about it once and I didn't want to give her too much information because I was also very skeptical of her and I wanted to make sure she was somewhat, not somewhat, but completely legitimate. And I just let her know that I had witnessed something. um, And she explained it to me that, and I won't explain it as well as she did, but basically that the illusionary boundaries were just dropped for a moment. And this was a living, breathing person in another plane of the universe, if you will, or of, of our, of our world. Um, he was not uh, a ghost that it was, it was, you know, when you're in that state of sleep, you know, you're opening yourself, you're able to see things that you otherwise perhaps would not see kind of between both worlds, if you will. And that made more sense to me because he, he looked just scared of me. Like, what am I doing here? And where, where am I? And what's happening? You know, I mean, how, I don't know. That's, you know, it's all I've got. I just, it was the coolest thing. And I think what was awesome about it is it wasn't scary. <laughs> that is really cool. But, uh, you know, would you say, would you say when you're describing his armor, are we mm-hmm. talking like a European look or, or what are you seeing? He, felt me, he reminded me of like a Roman warrior. That's what I kept going back to in my head. Roman times. He had like a ridge on his, um, on his helmet. And his hair was um, almost shoulder length and long and not long, but wavy. And I don't know. I just, that's all I could think of. And I'm, I'm definitely not a history buff, so I can't speak to the period, but it, sure. it definitely felt Roman warrior like, you know? Wow. Um, and what's funny is I remember what I was dreaming. I, I've noticed, at least for myself, if I'm waking slowly from a sleep, I can never remember what I was dreaming. Even if I start to, it just fades away so quickly. In this instant, I 
I was so startled by the noise, which in and of itself is a question. Like, what was that? You know, that what, why is, you know, when there's, I think of like stranger things and there's like a break in, in the, (laughs) you know, the, um, uh, the upside down, if you will, that it would take a powerful energy. I wonder if there was some kind of powerful energy that occurred that created the noise that would wake me. Like it felt almost like, um, a loud bang, like something had just dropped. That's what it sounded like. Or like a portal had opened or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mm. strange. Um, so anyway, I will tell you what I was dreaming because I think it's hysterical and it had nothing to do with a Roman warrior, but I was dreaming about an SS Monte Carlo and two dudes with in pink eyes odds, like with mustaches. It was just a completely <laughs> bizarre dream. It had nothing to do, you know, nothing to do with it. And ironically, my mom was visiting and her her husband at the time and um I I shared it with her. And she was she was the kind of mother that um, you know, she'd sit out on the back porch and ask me, do you believe in God? And she'd want to have all these like existential conversations, uh-huh. partly because she was a little buzzed all the time. But, um, <laughs> sure. you know, my friends always thought I was really cool and I was mortified, you know, um, <laughs> but I knew I could talk to her about it. And she was totally open um, to that, which was also helpful and to be acknowledged. Her husband, on the other hand, was like, you were dreaming. <laughs> That's <laughs> nonsense. But wow. You know, I just can't, I think, you know, when you know, when you see something, it's unquestionable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and your, your, your experience isn't that, isn't really that unusual in terms of the paranormal. I mean, many people experience things just like this. So it's hard to understand what exactly is going on. I don't know. It's like you say, it could be a, could be a glimpse into another time. Could have been just some kind of weird alignment of the universe or multiverse or whatever. But uh, I, I don't have any doubt that what you experienced was very real. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, very real. I remember it like yesterday. I think all of these things have sort of been imprinted in my in my consciousness and mind. Like, I just see it like yesterday. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's I, – I was – I'm thinking about memory and stuff and, and how, how poignant these things are. And it doesn't surprise me that you remember not so much because when you think about the enormity of what you're remembering, it's, it's when life kind of stands on its head, you know, and sure. all the rules are out the window and suddenly we're presented with this uh, enormous new reality that doesn't make as much sense, you know? For sure. Yeah. 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 So, it, um, I have another story that um, is pretty special to me. It, it's um, so I, I was studying acting at the time I lived in Connecticut and I had an acting coach and I had only been working with her a short time when she was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, it was really terrible. She was very oh. young, about 50 years old. Oh. Um, and I remember she, uh, she got angry with the acting class one day and she said, you're all wasting my time. And we didn't know, by the way, at this point when she was getting angry that she was sick Mm -hmm. and she was dying, but she knew. And she pointed to all these people. She's like, you're wasting my time. You're wasting my time. You're wasting. And then she pointed to three of us, the three of you can stay. Everyone else can go. You know, I'm not going to be here forever. You know, you're wasting my time. So she continued to work with me. (laughs) I made the grade. (laughs) And, um, over the course of three years, I witnessed her, you know, tragically deteriorate it was just the worst thing to um to witness Mm -hmm. 
And while I was studying acting, I was working as a personal trainer and a massage therapist. And she had asked me because um, one of the things that came with this disease for her was a lot of physical pain. Uh. Even when she was becoming paralyzed and couldn't move, she still had enormous pain. Yeah. So she um, she asked me if I would do body work and, and work on her and in exchange for acting classes. And I agreed. Mm-hmm. And over the course of her illness, it, you know, it got harder and harder. And I had never experienced a loss in my life. This was the first time I had had someone in my life dying before me that was so important to me. And, um, it, you know, the disease, if you're not familiar with it, at some point they lose their speech. And, um, I remember I'd work on her and she would just cry and her mouth would open and she would be wailing in tears, but no sound coming out. And I would, have my hands on her and I would say, do you want me to stop? And she'd shake her head. No, you know, you can continue. And she needed the release and I know it helped her so much. However, um, something I'm not proud of is that I felt, well, I'm not going to share that yet. (laughs) So I continued to work with her, but it became so difficult. I ultimately ended up getting a, a new massage therapist that needed hours to practice to take over for me and work for her for free. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to anymore. It was just unbearably emotionally hard. Right. Um, so long story short, she passes away. Um, I get a message on my answering machine from her husband. And as soon as I heard it, I heard him say, you know, Gloria passed away. Um, I heard Gloria speak to me. Oh, wow. And she said to me these words, I did not manipulate you. I only asked you for what I needed. And you can always say no. Now, (laughs) the the reason this is so profound, and and I could talk for hours on this subject, because, um, you know, you think, here I lost my mentor, right? But her last lesson was sort of a slap in the face, like, Lynn, what's your problem? (laughs) It wasn't, (laughs) I love you, I'll miss you. You know, it was sort of like, Hey, lady, I didn't manipulate you. Yeah, we have some unsettled business. (laughs) And the funny thing is, just speaking of how I heard her, it was not a physical in my ear the way that man said, Hey, and I physically felt it. Mm -hmm. I heard her in my head. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just there, and I knew it was her. I mean, again, it's unquestioning when these things happen. It's not, yeah. is this intuition? Am I manifesting this? Is this my guilty conscience? conscience? You know, is it? So, and I'm going to explain what she was saying to me and why, and what I found so interesting about it. I had shared only with one person, um, my boyfriend at the time that doing this work for her, um, my exact words to him were, I feel manipulated. Um, I feel like I don't have a choice. Like I have to do this. Mm -hmm. And, I never shared that description of it with anyone. I never said it to her. Certainly, my gosh, she was dying. I never, you know, and instantly in that moment when she said that to me, I felt a weight lifted and I learned that I, I have to be responsible only for me. You know what I mean? I, I, I learned to have boundaries. I learned to say no. Um, prior to this, because of my childhood upbringing, I was raised to be obedient. Mm-hmm. You know, children were to be seen and not heard. 
Um, you do as you're told, you know, I was the ultimate yes woman (laughs) (laughs) and I was, I would stretch myself so thin, um, covering everyone's ass anytime anyone needed anything because I was trained. You don't question, you just do. And she, it was a real gift. Her, I love that about her. She was a very straight shooter. She didn't mess around. She told you what she was thinking always. Um, you always knew where you stood all of that. It was a beautiful, beautiful characteristics. But what I find fascinating is somehow in her passing, she has this knowing. And why does she have this knowing? Something I'd never shared with her. How does she know that that's how I internalized it? Yeah, that's really cool. Um, you know, do we pass away and we get all this amazing knowledge? <laughs> you know? Well, I don't know. You, I will you, say she was a spiritualist and I didn't know what that meant. And I vaguely understand, um, you know, all of that even today, but I knew that spiritualism was really important to her and she had a spiritual guide mm-hmm. and when she was dying, um, or diagnosed and they told her there's no cure. She asked her spiritual guide, you know, do I get Western medicine help? Or do I not? And he said, absolutely. Get all the help you can get, girl. You know, you don't need to suffer and walk through this without um, help. And, she, you know, she, she did try to get as much help as she could as long as she could. So I wonder if, um, you know, when we do pass, if we do have some things, you know, especially in her case, being my teacher and my mentor. Sure. You know, she had sort of her last lesson for me. It was like, hey, Lynn, put your bound, you know, you don't have to say yes. <laughs> I think I think it's all energy, right? Because thoughts are energy. And uh, yeah. certainly when we're, when we're pass away, we're completely in that energetic form, unfiltered with this physical body. And, and mm-hmm. I think that, you know, those thoughts are out there. I don't, you know, I think we oftentimes think we are encased in these meat suits and that's it. But right. I, I think that we are encased we are interwoven through the universe. Like, you know, there isn't a beginning or end to anybody. It's just this, this, these manifestations and of, of energetic, you know, wonder. And, and so I think those thoughts are all out there and they're, you know, they're a whole part of the fabric of this. Right. Right. And so maybe when we pass, we just have, you know, we have access to all of that, the past, present, future, et cetera, you know, is just all a part of this, you know, beautiful eternal now. Right. Right. Yeah, it was amazing. And honestly, it just it was like a light switch. From that moment forward, I was a different person in that realm, I, in that department. Um, and I recognize it in people, you know, um, people I care about that I know that are still in their in their process. We all are right. But if you've been raised in an environment of um, yeah, less than desirable situations, it, you know, a lot of times you carry a lot of weight with that. And if you don't yeah. process it and go through it and heal so that you don't repeat your parents' mistakes, um, you know, you carry a lot of this with you. And I, someone I love and care about, I remember a neighbor had asked for help with something. And and this person was like, how could they ask me for this help? Don't they know how busy I am? You know, and mm-hmm. and they were just so frazzled and overwhelmed. And I said, but no, you know, hon, they don't. They don't know. And And you can say no. And there's a power in that, you know, in the same way. And I think the lesson for me was not only that I can say no, but that I can ask for help. And I never asked for help ever, Mm -hmm. ever, ever. You know, that was like a sign of weakness in my house, you know, Sure. Yeah. upper lip. So 
it, it was twofold. It's like, I learned to say no to people and I, I learned to ask for what I needed. And you know what? It was okay if someone couldn't give it to me. You know? <laughs> no, no it's, so, that's fantastic. I mean, I mean, your experiences are really incredible. And one thing that you've, you've brought up a few times throughout the course of our, our discussion is these experiences uh, on the outside looking in may seem hard to believe, but you know, there's one thing that I think that uh, people that haven't had paranormal experiences can't understand. And, and like, I guess it's like any other experience, you know, it's everything we experience has an energy to it as well. So it's not just, uh, you know, you're watching a movie. I mean, you are in the movie and you're experiencing this. So when you're hearing the, Hey, you know, a lot of people could say, well, that's just, you know, some figment of your imagination, but every experience has that energy and that, that energy was there with you. And I think that you've pointed that out several times that, you know, these were very real experiences and, and, you know, they happened because, you know, you just knew. And, and I think that that's just it. You do know, because when it's a real experience, it has a different energy than the normal energy of your day to day life. Right. right. And I think some people are probably more sensitive to that than others. And you certainly sound like one of those people. But, uh, you know, I have no doubt that what you're sharing is absolutely as it happened. I mean, you you seem to be very aware of this uh, throughout this entire journey. And it's really amazing. Hmm. Well, thanks. Um, You know, during this time when I was studying acting, I, I was and working as a massage therapist and personal trainer, I think you know, when I look at the things that have happened, many of them happened during that duration. And I think because I was doing body work and it was really centering work and I was doing a lot of therapy and <laughs> was doing a lot of personal work to just be my best person. Um, I was, I think I'd opened myself up to, um, inviting in these experience or being, I, I shouldn't say inviting, but being open to them. Um, you know, I was on my own spiritual process of trying to understand, you know, what I believed and didn't believe in the universe. You know, do I believe in life after death? Do I not believe in life after death? You know, I grew up a Catholic girl, but we were really bad Catholics. (laughs) You know, we went to church for Christmas and Easter and CCD classes, but, um, you know, we, we, yeah, we weren't (laughs) devout by any, by any means. Um, but during this time, I the shaman I mentioned um, that I would go to occasionally for spiritual guidance, um, you know, at that age, it was all my questions were sort of like, uh, and by the way, she wasn't a psychic. This was, a, you know, a shaman, sure. like a spiritual healer. My questions were career and love. <laughs> and I was like, right. always trying to figure that out. I was in that stage in my life. And I was asking her about my acting work. And she said to me that my experience as an actress was to embody the spirit of others and not necessarily to do the work of being an actor. And she told me that I had the ability to do automatic handwriting if I chose to practice. Mm -hmm. And she gave me an exercise of sort of ringing a bell, you know, in this quiet meditation and counting backwards from 10 and kind of getting in that headspace. And I will say that I attempted it a few times, but I think it just frightened me and to go into any, the, this idea that, you know, I believe that all of us have this ability, first of all. Um, sure. But for me to get into that headspace, I think I, I still, I felt too vulnerable. I felt like I didn't know. I still feel this way that I don't know enough 
to protect myself on what I might be inviting in an automatic right. handwriting yeah. or any doing any psychic work. I just don't think I have the, yeah. I, I think you need to first know how to protect yourself before you, you delve. Yeah. I would so, agree. Good, good cautionary words for sure. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't, you know, the few times I tried it, it didn't, things would come out, but it, it didn't, it didn't feel um, like a knowing it yeah. felt in more like my own intuition, my own head space. It didn't feel authentic. It wasn't authentic. I know it wasn't. Sure. Um, and it would have taken a lot of practice, I think, to get there. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. That's, that's, but, I think that's good cautionary words of advice for all of us. You know, is that you got to be careful what you mess with. And, you know, there are, there are dark things out there, you know, and there are things that can happen. Not that they would, not that they maybe do that much, but if it happens once, it's too many, you know? So, right. uh, I think, you yeah. know, Ouija boards are a great example of that. People just, you know, throwing them out because it's right. kind of fun and weird and quirky and, uh, you know, but you know, it's all fun and games until the furniture starts moving, you know, exactly. <laughs> then it's like, wait a minute. So better to uh, err with a side of caution. Occasionally in life, I will meet someone and I'll have what I call a knowing and, and I, it's confirmed only when they spe begin speaking what I just heard in my head, if you will. But this is so random. It's again, it's random. And sometimes the knowings are not very exciting. You know, it's just a random right. a piece of information about a person. But sure. anyway, this client comes around the corner I'd never met before. Cowboy hat, cowboy boots. And instantly um, I got um, alcoholism, alcoholic, something. I just, it just hit me. And in the middle of the session, he went on to tell me that he was an alcohol, um, uh, counselor and he worked with addicts in that, you know, department. And oddly enough, we ended up being friends for many years and I won't get into all that, but, um, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. And I think I may have a little sensitivity to it. Having grown up with someone, I mean, this man didn't show up stumbling. He didn't smell of alcohol. It was nothing like that. It was like, being hit on the head with the words alcohol, alcoholic, you know, alcoholism. Like it was just, it's just placed there, you know, and it's just find it really fascinating. And I try to pay attention to that when it happens. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, but I know time will run out and I do want to share my favorite story ever, <laughs> which, um, because there's so many little stories. I feel like not a lot has happened over the course of my life, but um, some things have been really profound and some things have just been little, I don't know, cool experiences. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I've my husband and I have been together 20 years now. And when we met, uh, I wasn't entirely ready for a relationship, but um, I was dabbling in the idea. So we went on a few dates <laughs> and... Um, I decided we didn't know each other very well. And I decided to surprise him on a date. I thought I'm going to bring him to a meditation. I'm not going to tell him where we're going. And let me preface this with, I don't meditate. <laughs> I should <laughs> meditate. I try to meditate. Sure. I am not, that's not, I, that's the person I'm aspiring to be. Sure. So <laughs> I kind of looked up this mass meditation that was happening in the town that we worked. And, um, and I told him just, you need to wear clean socks. That's all you need to know about this date. And what's kind of funny about it is he's definitely not a meditating guy. <laughs> if he had known what he was getting himself into, he probably would have been, no, thank you. But um, so we show up to this massive room with mats on the floor and, you know, incense burning, you know, you can just imagine. And everyone's sitting down and getting settled. 
And um, all these people are arriving late and it's irritating me. Like I'm laying there trying to relax, trying to meditate, trying to be one with my myself. And I'm just irritated, to be honest. And they keep coming and going. And and um, I'll back up and just say this. I was in therapy um, at this time and I had gotten out of a another bad, I had been serial monogamous relationships with bad people for me. So I didn't, I I just, uh, I was like, I got to figure this out. You know, why does this keep happening? And, um, one of the exercises the therapist recommended for me was to meditate on count to 10 backwards kind of thing, get in a quiet space. Mm -hmm. And she said, I want you to imagine you're opening a door and on the other side of the door is yourself as a child. And I want you to ask yourself, what do you want? What do you need? And if you don't see anything, you know, just close the door. If it doesn't work, you just try another day. If you, if you see yourself and you ask your child, like, what do I want? What do I need? And they don't answer. Don't persist. Just shut the door and try another day. Okay. And I try it at home from time to time. Never worked, never worked, never worked. <laughs> it was just all this, you know, manifested thoughts of what bill do I have to pay? Like, I just couldn't <laughs> stay focused, you sure. know? So anyway, I, I'm in this room and I'm annoyed with everybody for some reason, because they're just, I'm kind of an impatient person. And I was, you know, here we are, we're supposed to be meditating and people are still shutting the door and getting settled. And, and so I think I'm going to try that meditation. Maybe that'll help settle me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and I count to 10 backwards and I open the door and I see myself. And this is, Brent, this is hard for me not to cry. It was such an amazing experience. But I witnessed myself at 11 years old in the most authentic way imaginable. And I'm building a house of cards. Mm-hmm. And I'm floored. I'm in my headspace. I'm meditating. I'm witnessing this. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is the real thing. This is not something just my consciousness making this up. And I ask myself, what do I want? What do I need? And my little person, my 11-year-old self ignores me, continues to build this house of cards. And it's pretty tall. It's pretty impressive. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I didn't take the advice of the therapist. I kept asking what do you want? What do you need? I mean, I'm having this incredible spiritual experience with my own self and I wasn't going to stop until I got my answer. Right. And finally, you know, my 11 year old self kind of puts my hands up and not again, not making eye contact with me, kind of doing my thing, but put my hands up, like, stop, like, stop asking me. But I ask her a third time and I look up and I say, I'm building a foundation. I don't trust you yet. And I say it with a Midwestern accent. I don't have a Midwestern accent today, but at 11, I did. (laughs) I've been on the East Coast, you know, 25 years now. Um, That was so profound. I could not have even manifested or thought about consciously my accent. I completely forgot and I had it, you know, just kind of worked its way out of my, my speech over the years. And... I heard myself very clearly. I shut the door. And at the end of that date, I told my now husband (laughs) that I was building a foundation. I wasn't ready for a relationship yet. And we waited 12 months before we (laughs) tried again. Um, You know, I really tried to honor that message that was loud and clear. You know, here I am metaphorically building this house of cards. It's so flimsy, right? Right. 
And I obviously had more work to do. Um, and that wasn't a good place to start a relationship with somebody. So anyway, I wanted to end on a really cool. Yeah, that's experience. beautiful. And I recommend this to anybody. Just try it. I, I try it all the time and I've never had this experience again. <laughs> um, it's so frustrating. Um, mm. I wish, you know, that's my only regret. I wish I felt like I had some sort of control over when really magical, special things happen, you know, that I could just make things happen. Yeah. But um, I, what's, I don't know how in that room with all the distractions I was able to get there, but it was clearly a message that myself needed to hear. And so, you know, it was given to me. Very powerful. That's wonderful. Right? And thank you so much for all of today. I, I really enjoy uh, going through your journey with you uh, right now. It's it's really incredible. You've seen some incredible things. You've had some amazing experiences. And I, I, it's a real great cross-section of life, I think. You know, so thank you for sharing it. Yeah, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. And uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And uh, I, I, I can't thank you enough. This is awesome. Cool. I'll practice that meditation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Paranormal Portal Radio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. We got hundreds of shows in our uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the paranormal portal. So I hope you check it out. Check it out, guys. We're over there at YouTube.com/slash/paranormalportal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So uh, stay tuned. But we love you all. Be good. Be kind. Be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can. Take care, everybody. <laughs>